Yo, what's up, dude? How you doing? Uh, well, I'm a bit tired. I mean, I just came home yesterday, so just tell me how the picture is because uh, I have a, like a little cell phone stand. So if the picture is okay, you look great. Yeah, man, I can see everything. Your light looks good. Yeah, it's perfect. It's uh, it's so good to be home. I mean, it's it's sunny, twenty five degrees. It's like mint. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Are, are you flying everywhere? Or are you driving everywhere? Uh, no, I flew. I flew. I just uh, so I can fly to Italy, to basically to Slovenia, to Ljubljana, which is like okay. the best option for me because I'm flying directly home, uh, or to Croatia, which is uh, to a town called called Pula, which is in my area, so to say, it's just like over the hill, but it's uh, uh, but it's uh, a bit. It, timing wise, it's like uh, it's all over. So yesterday I flew in the evening. If I would flew directly to Slovenia, it would be early in the morning. So I had to find a golden medium. So gotcha. Yeah. yeah. This is just my American ignorance of not knowing where <laughs> Slovenia is. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> now basically, Slovenia is between uh, Austria, between Italy, Austria, and Croatia, and there's a small part of it, like on the, on the very head, is like close to Hungary. So I'm between Italy and uh, Croatia. So I'm about five k's from Croatia and about thirty k's from Italy. So if you heard of Ely Coffee, so like the coffee brand, oh yeah, uh, that's yeah, yeah. that's like the main base is like uh, uh, an hour away from here, basically. Gotcha. So okay. Pinarello, okay. Pinarello, Pinarello is two hours away from here. The main base. Very cool, dude. Very cool. Yeah. So. Um. All right. So yeah, dude. I figured we'll just jump right into it. Um. Yeah. It's, this is pretty chill. I figured we'll just get to know you, man. Like, who who is Alex? Who is um, Alex? Yeah, so, dude, why don't we start off right there? Who is Alex? How did you get to uh, where you are right now? Uh, well, I mean, I'm still basically, I still say I'm nowhere because I'm still fairly low in terms of, like, racing. But I still, like, where my starting point, where my starting point was, I still, like, feel like I, get, I got very far. And just, like, when I explain my story to... Anyone I talk to, this like they they say like, oh, it's crazy, you know. Uh, but like, yeah, in a nutshell, I'm 27. Uh, I'm just turned 27. I'm a full-time elite rider, work as a coach with Evoke, uh, and just like passionate cycling, passionate passionate cyclist like yourself. How long you been riding for? Uh, so I started at. In late 2012, did my first Grand Fondo in uh, 2013, so the year following, and I bought my first road bike, a proper road bike, uh, later that year. Uh, but like, I never like this was never like my aim to just pursue anything. I just like loved cycling. My dad had a short stint cycling when he was young, but he just didn't want to train alone, and you know. It was the seven. It was the seventies or eighties. I'm not sure now. Uh, he didn't have no company, so like he just couldn't like handle being alone. So, but for some reason or another, like he kept watching cycling. So like since I was young, he took us to watch the Giro or like on Tour of Slovenia, whatever. So I my earliest memories were like watching the Giro d'Italia on the couch or watching the Tour every year. So. And saying that, I have a funny story because one of my co- former coaches I got to meet when he was a racer when the time trial was in Trieste in Italy. 
So I have a picture with the guy who's he's now a DS in uh, Bahrain Victorious. And like I think it was 10 years later, he, he coached me. So crazy, dude. We, we actually sat in a cafe and I said like, but do you remember like holding me in your arms? I was like maybe five or six years old. And then, then we found the picture. We showed them the picture. It was like, yeah, I actually remember this. It was like, yeah, it's a crazy story. Dude, I feel like everyone like in the group chat or when we do the coaches calls, you're always like, oh yeah, I know that guy or a friend of a friend knows this guy. Like, is that, I'm always thinking to myself, is that just like, cause like you're in the thick of it. Well, and I wanted to back up to see what the what the cycling culture and the scene is like in Slovenia. But is does everyone kind of just know everyone, or are you just like kind of well connected? Like you're a friendly dude. Are you just saying hi to everyone? Because I feel like you, you do. Like you always are like just a few like levels away from like everyone. Like how did that come to be? I'm just not shy. I mean, I'm I'm just not shy of, uh, shy in approaching people. I mean, like if I approach someone. Like there's three, you can go three ways. Either I get a yes, I get a no, or I get a don't get an answer, which is basically means no. So like, uh, the you remember like when I reached out to Adam Hansen, I didn't tell anyone. So like I was like, ah, this is not gonna work. And 15 minutes later, I got a response from him. Like it it was mental. Like Adam Hansen responded to my text, yeah. or the same with was with Serge Powell's, but in that case, I met him before. In I think he actually remembered because I have I had a Instagram story of uh, me riding behind another rider who was with him training so okay. on, the, on the same day but like uh i'm just not scared of approaching people that's like it because it could it can either be a yes or a no so i mean you're not losing anything if they say yes yeah you learn you can learn something you can maybe get a new friend or uh, if they say no i mean it's, it's a no you know and are you approaching these like are you approaching them like I guess through social media for sure? But like, like you said, training rides, or are you going to races and talking to people, or is it a combination of all this? Combination, I guess. Like, I mean, yeah. you talk to other riders in races. I have, I mean, I do, I do know riders who don't speak a word while racing. But then you have someone like me who will just like chit chat the whole time, except like when I'm holding on for their life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even then, I'll say a word or two, like if I can. For uh, sure. But but. Yeah, I mean, just like start talking and like sooner or later, you you bound you're bound to meet someone. I mean, uh, I just said I guess it just comes natural. Like I mean, some people are more like comfortable with talking. Some are more introverted. Some are more extrovert. You know, um, I guess I'm just like in golden medium for sure. And dude, I think that your passion for cycling shines through. Like you just love talking about this stuff and yeah. everything and learning. So <laughs> of course you're going to chat these people up. I think that's yeah. great. Right? Um, I mean, it's, it's like, because uh, I try to learn from riders who are or just not riders, also coaches and also like whatever, if I'm passionate about something, I'm going to try to learn from people who are better than me. You're not like, there's a saying I heard and like, forgive me if I say it wrong, if you're the smartest in the in the room, you're in the wrong room. So basically, I'm always trying to learn from people who are smarter than me or just like more experienced than me, because like we're in a sport where experience counts counts and like knowledge, of course. Like so, I mean, but cyclists cycling is like an endurance sport, and it's um, it's you have to look at the bigger picture in a sport in an endurance sport. So like experience will always win. For sure, dude. No, I think that's a great way to approach not only cycling, but just life, man. Like constantly asking yeah. questions, learning new things. No, I think that's great. Um, so, dude, I wanted to go back 
So the the culture in Slovenia in regards to to cycling, like has mm-hmm. it changed? Because if you said that your dad, like you didn't really have people to ride with, but it sounds like you're going out there. There's people like over the last whatever 15 years, have things kind of become more popular? Since like Roglic and Pogacar started dominating, it's changed a lot. But like I'm still in an area that has seen an increase in cyclists like in the last few years, and there's a lot more bikes, especially in the last two years. But I mean, it's not just here, it's in general, just like since uh, COVID hit, like I, I've been talking to like uh, bike shops and just like my friends who work in bike shops, it's just gone mental. Just like there's no bikes or just like no equipment where you can buy it. So uh, yeah, the last few years it's gone pretty mental. There's a, lot, there's a lot more bikes, but if you mean culture towards cyclists, that can be debatable. <laughs> Depends on the which side of country you live. So like here is quite okay. But if I go more like in central Slovenia, you can still like find yourself in trouble. I mean, with drivers, but otherwise, like if you mean like if an interest has grown for cycling, then yes, a hundred percent. Have you seen, has that grown into, into the races as well? And then my follow-up question is, are you doing, cause like you're on the path, like you're on that pro elite path. Are you doing yeah, a lot of races? Are you doing a lot of races then locally? I know you're traveling. Like you said, you just got back. Or are you doing all your races like out of Slovenia? Is there a balance there? There's no, that's the problem. Like there's no elite or under 22 races here. There's a few of them that are UCI and there's a tour of Slovenia, which is a UCI stage race. But in order to race that UCI stage race, you have to be a minimal Conte team or just like make the national team. So in to that regards, no, there's no racing basically here. There's a few crits and just those few elite races. So basically, for me, it was like the only choice because I'm not going to make a content team here because, of, of course, they're going to take better riders than me. So uh, uh, my only like choice was to go abroad. So I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to get a chance in Belgium. So I basically made the transition from like amateurs uh, to under 23 and then to elite because I was last year under 23. And two years before, I met a guy called Simon Collard which he became basically one of my closest friends. And he's an ex-professional rider. He was in the same team as Thomas de Gant uh, with uh, Ben Hermans, and he lives in that area. And uh, He lives in the Wallon area of Belgium, but it's close to Rillenberg. So where Jens Reiners, he also lives nearby, and uh, Hermans also lives nearby. So in 2000, and I think it was uh, 2019, uh, basically, I didn't know what to do. Uh, and he basically just said, like, hey, come over. I met him a few years ago prior at the World Championships because he's a three-time world, world amateur champion also. So it was like, no, I'm not going to say no to that. I get to, like, get to live and learn from a really good cyclist. For sure. And he just took me He just took me, and I just raced alone there for a few months in Belgium, got my teeth kicked in, like properly kicked in. Thank God I was fit enough so that I actually got to do some racing. And, uh, but having said that, the first stint there was really hard, but I was lucky that on the first day, uh, my coach back then prescribed me to do a five-hour ride. So on that five-hour ride, I ran out of water and I came into this, like, uh, it was basically um, a car shop or something like that. And a a girl walked to me and her brother happens to be a pro cyclist. Named Cedric, uh, uh, his name is uh, Cedric. Uh, I'll try to pronounce his name correctly, last name correctly. Cedric Reimakers. He used to ride for Sibel, a continental team in Belgium. 
So his sister Julie connected us and that connection made my life a lot easier when it comes to meeting people there because I didn't know anyone except for Simon. So through Cedric, I met uh, also Jens and that snowballed into meeting more people. Eventually I, got the co- eventually, I got in contact with the team I raced until recently with. And basically, that's how I got. But I owe everything to those three people. So to Simone, to Julie, and to Cedric, that, that's, that's some, some, somehow connected. Because otherwise, I would be still there, stuck alone and dehydrated on that, on that, uh, in front of that vending machine. Dude, that's, that's amazing, <laughs> first of all. But I think that one of the key takeaways here is for everyone is just to be friendly. Be a friendly yeah. cyclist. Meet people. Meet other cyclists. Um, that's amazing, dude. Such a small world. And I feel like I know when I grew, I mean, I started racing in New York city and like the city is huge. Right. But like the racing community is super small. Everyone knows everything. And like your reputation is important. And I think in cycling in general, it's super important, you know, like being a friendly person, like if people know you're a good guy, then they're going to want to race with you. They're going to want to ride with you. They're going to want to help you out. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's super interesting, dude, that like just those, those few small interactions like grew into so much. Um, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, as a foreigner speaking as a foreigner, I'm, I'm okay. I'm European, but going from country to country, each country speaks a different language. So there's that barrier, especially for a country like Belgium, they speak three different, three languages. One, uh, there's a part, the small part that speaks German. There's a Wallon part that speaks French. And then you have the Flemish part that speaks Dutch. So it's a language barrier. Not everyone will speak English. That's the, that's the, that's the first thing. So, Meeting and meeting and making friends there is more or less crucial just because it's going to make your whole experience a lot easier in terms of like uh, just surviving there, you know, because I always had the chance, like I recall a conversation when I left, I talked to Julie just through Instagram, a few texts, uh, and she, she basically responded to me. It was like, you're always welcome at our place. We'll always help you. So it's just like having those uh like connections and just like having that, you know, that friend or something that you can turn to, like in case like where when things go south, it's crucial, especially for a foreigner. For sure, dude. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about the language barrier, man. Again, my American, you know, like I travel <laughs> to different states and races. And I don't have to think about this stuff. I'm saying that's that's amazing. Yeah, dude, you have so many more obstacles and so many more variables, like just so many things to to worry about when traveling to these races and traveling to places. Yeah. So have you found now, like you've been doing this for a while, traveling to different races. Are you much more comfortable, like, I guess, just dealing with, well, you know, more people and stuff, but I'm saying navigating those, those obstacles. I mean, there is, you still have like uncomfortable situations. that just, I guess it's always because like things change and just like rules change and just like, it's, it's never like a hundred percent comfortable, but it is a lot easier just because like you have that experience, you don't, you did it before and uh, you know how to approach it and um, you basically know how the ins and outs how the system works but it's again country dependent like so it's not to say what works here will work in belgium and vice versa will work in holland or work in france like it's always a different rule so i I know if i if i rock up to a kermes in belgium i just need to inscribe a few days before through the uh, cycling london uh, website just have my license have my permit and that's it have 10 euros but it doesn't, it's not like that everywhere, you know? Well, what about, so that's an interesting point, dude, is the barrier to entry there. Like, cause I know like 
I don't know, maybe this isn't universal, but I know, again, going back to my racing experience in New York, like mm. getting to know like when the races are, how do I sign up? Like it can be a little like overwhelming and like the information isn't super like out there is traveling. I'm sure like, like you said, different countries and different race, different series. But like, did you, did you find that you could like jump into that and understand things right away? Or were you getting help from all these other guys with like, Hey, okay, this is how you sign up. This is when you should sign up. Uh, Basically, like speaking two years ago, it was a lot easier because there was no restrictions with COVID. So with COVID, foreigners got limited to like the 72 hours before. So I guess three days before you can sign in. But if there's if the limit, so the limit is there for academies is 175 riders. So if, the, if 100 riders are signed in. You can sign in five days before because no one's going to kick you out. But if the limit is tight, if they're like approaching the limit, you're going to be kicked off if you sign off if you sign in five days before. So you have to pay attention to that. But that's only just because of COVID now, so that their 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 riders have an advantage over foreigners. But otherwise, like I got showed it once, like how to do it, and it was straightforward. Basically, they, they don't complicate too much. Got but you. I mean, in Holland, it was different. So me, so last year, me and uh, a friend of mine, Arno, we went to. I stayed with him the last few months of the season last year when I went back. Uh, we did a crit in Holland, and there it was different because there, if I recall, we had to even sub, uh, we had to get additional permits from our federation. So he had to get a permit from uh, the Flemish federation. I had to get a permit from Slovenian federation because. For Belgium, I just get a, a, a year-long permit and I just like show it at the race if they ask me. If they don't just give my license, they get they give me my number and that's it. So, and, and like I said, it's country-dependent and uh, yeah. That's cool, man. That's so, that's so much different than me just going on. Are you, do, you, do you guys have bike reg? Sorry if this is another naive question. Uh, bike reg, yeah. Again, it's quite, it's country dependence. So like you have like this portal, like I mentioned, cycling London. That's for the Flemish, Flemish side of Dutch speaking side of Belgium. So you're, you're going to have all the regions, so west, west and East Flanders, Limburg, Antwerp, and all the races will be shown for uh, those regions on the portal, and then you can register through it. Gotcha. On the Wallon side, it's a bit more complicated because like. I don't check and check that that website too often because it's in French. <laughs> so, uh, and also there's a few races on that side. So sometimes it just like slips under the radar and just like a rider will send me a text like, "Hey, tomorrow I'm racing here and here." Like, oh, I didn't even know because I don't check the schedule there. So, I mean, for the Flemish side, it's a lot easier and it's, uh, because it's like it's all on all on one website. So I check the race, check the race calendar. I can just like copy copy paste the address for inscriptions. I'm just saying to Google Maps and check like how far is this from my accommodations, and then I decide I either ride out. I call. Uh, I usually travel with uh, a, a friend of mine who takes care of riders, uh, or I take the train. So yeah, is taking it's, the bike on is taking the bike on the train an issue or not a big deal? No. No, okay. Take they take it on okay. and that's it. Buy buy, right. buy, uh, buy another ticket and that's it. Now, what about so taking this one step further with you being on the team? And I'm sorry, I can't remember. Like, have you made some team changes recently? But when on a team or being on a team, does like the team director take care of some of this stuff for you? Or are you in, are you specific to do it all it's, on your own? For like so, like you have A and B caramels that's on your own, and then like intercollaborations or UCI races are taken care of by the team. 
Gotcha. So okay. uh, that's that's through the team because those are like only a team can uh, can uh, participate, but there's more than enough A and B Karmas races so that you can basically race alone. But it's just like a fun fact: East and West Flanders, each each regions have like a hundred races each a year. Wow. That's a, that's that's talking about a normal year, but they say like. And that's that's the funny thing. And it's like uh, I spoke to, so I stayed with a photographer named Martin Verfile. Like you maybe saw her in my pictures. Uh, uh, once all the pictures I get from the races are from her. So she okay. hosted me. She hosted me last year before Corona hit, and she she we had a conversation, and she said like, oh, like years ago there was so much more races. You can basically race every day. And we found like in a newspaper uh, or was it on a website, someone calculated how many races were the year prior in each region. And it was like East Flanders and West Flanders was a hundred races each. And I was like, why are you complaining? We have 10 races at home. Like you have a hundred races in each region. It's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> and it's, yeah. Uh, they say that there used to be a lot more races in the past. So that's now that is dying down. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's still it's still crazy, you know. Are all these races like getting like you know like a pretty decent show up? Like I'm thinking like again. Oh yeah. Going, oh going yeah. Because I'm thinking like, <laughs> oh, yeah. in New York you have like the bigger races, and then you have like the Thursday night crit that like just twenty local dudes go to. Like, are, but you're saying that they're all kind of a big deal. Yes, they wow, are a okay. big deal. All right. So uh, I can tell you the last interclub that I was like looking at the start list. And I was like watching the names and we were just like talking with my roommate, you were, we were just like, oh, this guy's going pro Conti with top sport next year. This one is going to uh, bingo. This one is going there. This one is a trainee here. And it was just like from one start list, we, we found at least 15 riders who will go pro Conti world to next year. And like uh, there's, so taking it a step forward in a big mass, like there was, uh, so there's a really known cyclist called Pete, he used, he used to be pro. Uh, Peter Van Pettigem. So his son, he's now signed with uh, Jumbo Visma, I think with the development team. He's still racing in the beaker messes with me. So I was like, just like standing next to a guy who's going to go to Jumbo Visma next year. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. That's, it's amazing. Dude, some like great training. So but let's take a step back here. Kermess. Why don't we explain yeah. what a Kermess is for people who are unfamiliar? A Kermess basically means a fanfare when, when, when translated from, from Dutch. Uh, so there, if you translate the word kermes or kermis, it will basically say fair races, uh, which basically, as in a nutshell, it looks like your uh, it's a road race, but some of the laps have characteristics characteristics more of a crit, okay. and they they they're usually like um, they're usually like between two and three hours long, so like hundred to hundred and forty k, depending if it's an A or B race. And a friend of mine, Iman Lucas, basically said, like, you have to bring uh, a bazooka to a, to a knife fight because they are fast. They are fast. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and you have riders from all over because just because there's so many races and you could be racing against uh, ex-pros or people who will go pro next year or whatever. Or just like I mentioned, Iman Lucas, who's uh, really, who's really well known, known in uh, the US and in Europe yep. also. Are these uh, are these all these races opportunities for the most part to show yourself and like yeah, oh, you want to get a yeah. group? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the A and B? Is that just like is it would would that be familiar? Would you compare that to like a category race? Like like I'm saying A would be like elite 
you know, one, two, three men's and women's B would be. No, it's basically elite. Like it's always for elite and under 23s, but in, in, in an A race, county riders are allowed. So county riders that, uh, that are the, I think you have to be Belgian nationality, but you can race for foreign county teams. So it's basically just steps uh, or no, I, I may, I may say it, said it wrong. I think you have, I think you just need to have a Belgian license. You can be a country rider, but with a Belgian license. So even if a foreigner lives there, he has like their ID, ID card, he can still get the, their license because he lives there. So it just takes a, a field one step forward. So you will have like the big, bigger development teams, quantity riders there. So yeah. Just, is it also, is it a whole day event? Like, or is it like only those, like I'm saying like elite men? Is there, are there women's fields as, as well? Are there women's races? Uh, there are women races, but it's not, it's not held on the same day. Sometimes, so, uh, sometimes they, they can hold like um, an amateur and master's race before us. And then there's the, like the elite race. Yeah. But that's just like maybe a few times a year. Or maybe, I, once, I, once this year, there was a junior race before my race. And um, yeah, but it's, it's it's just so many races. I mean, I can give you an example. Like one of the, I think it was my fourth day this year there. So I did a training, a four-hour training ride, and I passed through 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 towns in a 10k area. One had like an elite uh, women's race, another had the juniors race, just like 10k's apart. Wow, that's so, that's yeah. insane, dude. So what if you're yeah. like a cat? If you're like a cat five or cat four or whatever. What do you do? Where where are your races? Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the thing that you 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 ask the wrong guy for this question because uh, you can you can just like do those amateur races, or I think you can also jump into these races. I'm not sure how it works exactly for the U.S. riders because if I come with my license with an elite license, if I come to the states, I basically I'm basically a pro. I'm a P category, so I'm not sure in that regard how it works uh, with the U.S. riders. Gotcha. Uh, but mostly the guys I knew were either Cat 2 or Cat 1 that raced with me. Interesting. Okay. Um, what was I just going to ask you? Um, oh, so housing, dude. Are you then, you had, you had, you had guessed, like these are all, I'm curious of all the things that like I don't have to deal with and other people mostly don't have to deal with, you know? So like, are you, are you staying at hotels? Are you like, is it, is I know like rider housing, stuff like that. That happens in the States for like the more like elite guys that are traveling around. Um, are you dealing with that then for all these races or is it a combination? Basically this year I had this, like the same uh, accommodation through the team. Basically the team put me in contact with the person who's like giving out accommodations to riders and I stayed there. But like I mentioned, I stayed with my friends more and I stayed with my, uh, also with, uh, I don't know, another, another one of my friends with a photographer, Martin. And just like, you have like people renting out room to riders. You can already you can rent an apartment or there's like multiple ways do, of doing it. It's just like, you need to pick, like, this is like going like for someone who wants to do it. You just need to find an area that, uh, you basically just need to find an area that, you know, that's going to have a lot of races and then transportation to those races is quite, is, let's say, quite easy, even if it's not sometimes easy. But it's like if you're based in East or West Flanders, you're not going to take a wrong choice because you're gonna, always going to find races in an area of like, let's say, 50K. Interesting, dude. Okay. And then, then are you, someone has a car, you find someone with a car, like yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, I think I shared this with the, the WhatsApp group chat with the, those two older guys. 
So one of them, uh, one of those guys is named Philippe. So I met that guy. He's about, I think he's 70, 72 or 73 years old. He's been in cycling. Like I, I, I usually make a joke. He's been in cycling since, since the stone age. <laughs> so uh, he usually drives me to race, just rock up at his house and just like puts the bike in the car and we go. Uh, so I, I met, I met him uh at a race where I met and also a US rider, Ezra Soderling. I apologize if I didn't uh, pronounce his last name correctly. Yep. So Ezra's from Boston, I think, if I remember correctly. And he was I think so. About... I raced against him that one day. I showed you, ah, the you picture. know him. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, we just met on the train, basically, me and Ezra. We, came, we basically traveled to the same race in a town called Tilt. It was one of the last races in the season. And I saw like this dude, where, like he had like big hair, and this is like, I was, I think, already in my cycling kit. Uh, I was just like started talking, and I was like, "Oh, you're American," because like, I heard, I heard the, ac- the accent. It's like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" I'm just going to the Kermis, and he said, "Like, my house, my house owner told me like there's a guy called Philippe at this races who can pass us bottles, and who can potentially drive and drive us home." Uh, so me and Ezra rock up there, just like we were like an hour and a half early, so we had to wait in front of the cafe for the inscriptions. Uh, and then, like, Philippe rocks up and we just, like, introduced ourselves, left our bags in the car. And then he drove him home, dropped me off in the train station, like, got his contact. And whenever I'm there, I just, like, sent his wife a text, like, hey, can, is he going to this race? And she says, yes, just rock up there and he drives me. That's awesome. So, dude, do you, do you have to pay Philippe or he's just doing it because he loves the sport? He loves it. He loves it. Gotcha. He loves it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I offer often offer him like just like hey can I can I buy you a beer or something but he, he refuses so like he just he just loves it. That's I mean awesome, it's just man. like I mean I it's sometimes it kind of feels like I'm taking advantage of it but just like yeah, I have to show kindness to these people so like I mean uh, I'm in a, such a great uh, like such a like um, a privileged position to like have these people support me and just like help me. So that's just, it just takes a lot of like pressure and um, yeah, sometimes I complain about it, but like now we're talking to you, just like, it seems like more like, yeah, I need to express like more, like what's the word gratitude? Gratitude. gratitude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah to, so yeah, it's just like, it's, feel, it's, it's very, it's very privileged to have like yeah. someone like that help you. For sure. He also, helped, he, also helped, he also helped a guy called Thomas Gibbons. He's from the States also. Oh yeah, 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 dude! Automatic so every so, so, yeah. so every every time I go to the race with him, he even has a big picture of uh, Thomas like in his house when he used to race in Belgium. So like he always always like he tells me like Thomas Gibbons. He always told me you passed the. I he always uh, how he, he said like that Thomas always said to him that he's the best bid on passer in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> like dude, a really kind a, guy. Yeah. It's such a small world, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Oh man, that's good. But now, so you pay this forward, like show your, I can, under, what I was going to say was I can understand in the moment, dude, this, this is like, a, they're stressful situations, right? So like you're traveling yeah. to these races, you're staying in, you're staying with someone else, you're depending on someone else to help you out with like, you know, yeah. the feed zone and stuff. I can understand the stress there. Um, Cause I mean, I think for all, everyone else I'm saying, speaking specifically for myself too, is like you travel, I'm, I'm driving my own car to the race, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I'm still stressed. I don't have to worry about anything else. Like, I think that these are stressful situations. So that's, this is a good segue into what do you do at these races? Then like you're traveling all around. I got two questions. What do you do to like, keep your mindset in the race? Cause I'm like, you're, you're there 
you know, day after day, like, how are you staying motivated? And what are you doing for training? Because like, you're, you're gone for, well, I guess, that's, that's, how long are you usually gone for? Are you gone for like a week, couple weeks? Is it a couple of days? You mean, you mean for races or just like a period in Belgium? Well, I guess, I guess both. So uh, this time I was away for three months. I was planning to like extend it into four months, but just like um, me and my coach uh, decided like, like, let's, let's just stop it there because I was burned out completely. And it's just like, it's a mistake I made through training. So you live, you learn. So, wow, dude. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know it was that long. I, I, I guess we, you had mentioned that. I didn't think you were going to say three months. I thought this is again, just me not understanding this. I was like, Oh, he's probably going for a couple of weeks at a time. No, I mean, it doesn't make sense for me to go for a couple of weeks just because like, uh, I'm basically on the other, other side of Europe. So yeah, I live, yeah. uh, I live on the South side of Europe. Like Belgium is on the Northern side. So it's like basically going from Florida to, I don't know, like to, uh, which state is like up north? I'm thinking New York. That's like a what? New York, like a 20, New York, 28 hour drive or something. New, New yeah. York, New York, or, or whatever. Just like yeah, I mean, it's just like it's uh, yeah. It's, it's, I have to take like a flight from one side of Europe to another side of Europe. Doesn't make sense for a few weeks. That that makes it even crazier, then, dude. So then, what are you doing? I'm sure you have all this dialed in, but if you're traveling for some place for three months, like. Do you know all the training routes? Do you know what you're going to do? Like I'm saying, that's like a whole new learning. If you're off of your, your <laughs> no. everyday road. Okay. <laughs> no, I, that, that's, that's why I try to approach people, especially pros, and they show me the good roads. Uh, yeah, and, or like now with Strava, I can like just like, like, like look, it up, look up pros or whatever, just like because they tend to know the best from the best routes to train. Uh, but the first time I went, I mean, I landed on farms or on closed roads so many times that you won't, wouldn't imagine. Like the first day, like this is my first time there, uh, I had like a Garmin 520, which didn't have like ma- mapping. I had to like do it the getaway. So I had to like, you know, the, you know, that hack that you can put an open street map on it. Oh, no, I don't know this. So there's, yeah, there's a hack. You can basically install like an open street map on it. And I could only put the region of Limburg in, Wall- in one part of Wallonia on it. So, but I probably landed on a pig farm or a cow farm like 10 times in that, in that day. So it was, I got lost so many times and I even ended up on a, uh, on a sector of cobbles, which I didn't plan from a race called uh, Ronde van Limburg, which is a pro race for UCI race. So I got lost so many times, even no, even knowing the road, I still get lost. I still get lost because you have so many of those small lanes that I mean, basically, I can give you an example. So to the apartment where, where I was staying, the apartment is in a town called Nukre. So Nukre course, which is a pro race, finishes basically 150 meters from my doorstep. Uh, to my recommendation, I could take three or four different roads. Just two small twisty lanes or, you know, it's, so it's like, like, I didn't even have to take the main road, to be fair. So, so there's so, so many lanes. So yeah, Strava works the best. Yeah. In that case, and just like getting lost or like just like approaching riders and meeting riders. So yeah. for sure, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I just moved. I've been at my new spot here in a different state for over a month. I guess call it two months. Yeah. And dude, I'm I'm still figuring out two months, and I'm still figuring out like all the roads, <laughs> the best place. I'm saying I can't imagine like just lifting everything up and going. So taking that one step further then so you got the training like you figure that stuff out what are you doing for like nutrition and stuff like is it kind of can you can you kind of balance things the same yeah there you need to like find a way just because like you know when you're tempted like especially like when things go south like you're tempted tempted and eating bad food 
because like you For have sure. like fast fast food joints like accessible so i guess it just comes down to your own discipline like, with nutrition and that but like yeah i just like in now the next town was like two and a half k's away so we either the house owner drove us to towns so, or with, with her car because we didn't have a car or we just like took the bikes and just like loaded the food in our backpacks yeah and, yeah or had or i had uh, friends helping me get to the shop so yeah i mean it's just like i think nutrition wise it, it just comes down to discipline just because like this is just this is just like my personality but for me when things don't go right i tend to turn to food like as um shall we call it a treat or maybe just like uh so let's call it like food is my trigger in that point like i'm gonna use food to like make me feel better for sure so, yeah well we were chatting the other day and you were having a beer and what were you having was it fries no it was like <laughs> I, I wasn't having a beer actually we were just like uh, we just say like, we were just like walking through brussels that's why i was so yeah. in and out of the chat yeah. but uh we had we had lunch in a japanese place okay uh and the guy had um uh thai beer so that's what, that was my first Sweet. experience but i mean uh, maybe... i was already i was already in my office and then so like i wasn't okay. training or racing yeah, yeah, yeah. so i'm I, I know, dude. I'm not calling you out here. I'm just saying, I guess what I was getting at is I knew that maybe it was a time before we chatted and you were like kind of, you were making some decisions. You were kind of a little like burned out on racing. And I think yeah. you had said like, oh, dude, I'm having like some chocolate. You sent like a picture. You were eating something that looked amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, dude, I get Oh, this. yeah. I we, we, me and you had the chat. Like, I think yeah, it's yeah, Sunday yeah. waffles or something like that. Yeah. The waffles. Yeah. yeah that's what yeah. I was doing. And you, you, you definitely earned that. And I'm saying I can, I can understand the situation called for that. Um, yeah. But no, I was gonna say like for me being at home, like I'm so dependent on, this is again, just me, like you have your different experience. Like I have like my rice cooker and my oatmeal I eat every day, you know? And like, I need those things to like, you know, keep myself, you know, my, my regular nutrition throughout the week. Um, just thinking about picking up and leaving for three months. Like, I feel like I would have so much stuff to bring with me. Um, oh, or your or, wish. Or, no, 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 but I'm saying, and then I, I realized I can't do that. So I'd have to just figure out what else to do. I'm saying it's just so interesting. It's just a whole different way of approaching like all those added stresses to like what mm. your racing is, man, that I, I, people just don't, I think, you know, like fathom. I mean, cause you got, you got the, you think of like, whatever, I'm going to say Ineos, like the pro tour, those guys have like the chef traveling with them and like the, the, the tour bus or, you know, the, the van. Um, it's way different than just you jumping on a train, meeting a guy there, staying at his house, you know, <laughs> hoping everything goes well. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's super, super interesting, dude. So, so then also in regards to the travel, are you, how, how many races then are you doing in that period, three or four months? Are you packing in everything you can? Like, what does the training look like? And are you like building towards a races i kind of want to get more into specific like training wise in that in that period and then what does your training look like when you're back home i mean it's just like so if we if we look at if we look at just like my recent standard like everything went wrong to be fair but it was my own fault because like i didn't know actually until the last minute if i can race or not because it was still like looking like doubtful with COVID. Because usually the season starts in February, but now they pushed it down. It, it started in June, July, like super late. So when then when I noticed, like, I think I noticed firstly Eamon was racing. And I was like wondering, I spoke to my mate, one of my best mates, Fraser, Fraser who's a really high profile rider. He's also a foreigner, uh, but he's, he's, he's living there. So that's a different story. 
uh, it's like, how is Iman getting into those races? Because Fraser has a, a Belgian license. Iman, Iman, I think she's, she's still using a USAC license. So uh, uh, I just like asked, like, how is he getting into races? And he just like said, oh, he just I came to the race and there were open spots and they, they allowed foreigners in. Because, like I mentioned, there was they put that rule in that foreigners can inscript only three days before during COVID, and like from the beginning, I still have a screenshot I can share with you later. There was like for one race, three hundred guys inscripted, and the limit is one hundred and seventy-five. Was like, and I was like, I'm not gonna get a start this year. Forget about it. And yeah, I just like started seeing like these foreigners like racing and more and more, and it's like. I think I had a conversation with my woman. It's like, what should I do? She's just like, basically, she just like uh, looked at me as like, just pack your bags and go. And I was just like, just pack my bags and basically went. So I, I, it was it was like difficult to decide because what happens if I get there, when I get there, if I cannot race? Well, I get to race. It's all these questions. Like, you know, you have to organize everything. And then they're just like, and there's that question mark above racing, will I even get a start, you know? So it made a difficult decision this year to get to like, um, to even, even make the step to, on, on going there. But in the end, just like a rock, a rock up there. And like, even the first day the when I arrived, I could already race because there was, there were was still empty places. So I was in that regard. So I was lucky how it's quickly switched around and we got to race a lot. So uh, I was really lucky in that regard. But how it looks usually is I w- uh, if I w- now that I learned the mistake of over racing, I would just like do a block of racing train, block of racing train, and then when I'm home, like now I'm gonna start restart training for next year on Monday, uh, and uh, yeah, basically just build up, go there, race, do a block gotcha. of training, race because there's like you can s- so easily over race, and it's just like. And you can just like get in the circle of like, just like, you know, of fatigue and not recovering. And then like, if you don't finish races, what do I do next? Like the next, the next thing that crawls on my mind, I need to ride my bike more so they can get better, uh, good enough to finish. And it can go south quickly. So like, I mean, it's um, having a good coach helps. Having a good support network helps. I think Bassett, when one of the earlier podcasts mentioned that you need to have your own dojo or what was his expression? So uh-huh. again, like that's that that support yeah, network yeah. you need to have. For so sure. they they can I so I wanted to race the first day I was there. And then Fraser said, like, chill, 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 chill. He even I think I, the next day I spent with him. Like he was just like, let's go right, let's do a coffee spin, spin your legs, spin your head out, because don't race because that will be a mistake. And we're just like, I'm l- really lucky in having those people around me so that they can pull me back. You know? For sure. We, because it can go south quickly, you can over race so quickly, and then you find yourself in that circle, and it's really hard in getting out. But like I said, the good support network, the good coach, and yeah, it's having patience, I guess. For sure, man. So what is? I don't think you mentioned this. I know that we, you and I have chatted off this offline. Yeah. What did the over racing look like? Like, what, what? How many races? What are we talking? So, <laughs> should, should I say the number? <laughs> so. Is there an average? I'm thinking, what, what, how many races were you doing average on a seven day, like a week period? Three to four. My gosh. So then, are <laughs> yeah. then so if, let's say you're, you're racing four days and these are two hour races. Okay. Two and a um, half. Let's use 
what what are you doing on the other rate on the other days? Are those off days? Are you still spinning? Just can coffee spin an hour, yeah, two yeah, hours. Yeah. But okay. then it gets to that problem. This is because people think like if I'm racing more, oh, I'm gonna get stronger. I'm gonna build fitness. You're no, you're not. With racing, you're losing fitness. So uh, that's kind of the problem because if you don't finish a race and if you get dropped early, like I got this year because I simply wasn't fit enough, uh, you have that like mentality, oh, I need to ride my bike more tomorrow. So like if I didn't f- finish a race on a Monday, I ended up doing three, three hours on a Tuesday and racing again on a Wednesday, which that isn't the correct, uh, correct way of approaching it. So, um, but I guess... Look, I can, to my excuse, we can use it. It's like it's we're in the midst of a pandemic. Like you still want to do the best, the best you can, and just like you want to show the people that all the all the like effort you put in this word is was worthwhile. And just like, but I guess it still boils down that you need to have that support system around you that they can pull you back, or just like coach that he can pull you back. And because it, it'll go south quickly, like TikTok, just take my experience. For sure, dude. And you know what, man, as much as that was frustrating, and I know like that you wanted, you wanted to extend the trip one more month and that was the yeah. initial plan, but it was a great learning experience. I feel like you took away so much from this, you know, and like you're going to be better equipped when you go back again. I can give you like an, an example now. So after a season, everyone tends to put on a bit of weight just because you let loose, you can eat whatever you want. Um, so if you would look at like my nutrition the last 10 days, you would think this guy is mad. Uh, but I haven't put on a single kilogram. That just shows like how my body was just like depleted and empty. Yeah. I weighed, I weighed myself this morning. I was 68 and something kilos. That's basically my race, race weight. And I'm doing nothing for 10 days except like a bit of walking here and there. So I'm eating fruits, cakes, drinking beer. And like it's... Uh, that just shows like how your body also gives an indicator. And like Josh, the guy who's coaching me, so I hired the coach recently named Josh Hunt. He's an ex-pro rider. He used to race for a pro country team called um, uh, One Pro Cycling. Uh, he sent him a text like, this and this is like hap- uh, happening. I noticed this and he, his reply was, I'm so grateful that you stopped racing in time because like if, we, if you would push this, it would get even worse. It's like an indication, like how, how my body is responding to it. And you know what, dude, it's just something I want to highlight too. It seems like it doesn't seem like this This is what happened. You know, your body well enough to know that like, Hey, this isn't going because I'm telling you, there's certain athletes that think that, well, you coach, you tell me, you tell me, what are the numbers? What's the data say? And it's like, this is the data is only one small part of how you feel. And actually I would say it's probably zero part of how you feel like you, you only, you know, how you feel, how are you responding Mm -hmm. to this? And you should know when to pull the plug and when things or working through, you know, I, I'm, I'm rambling here, but through an injury or through like a sickness, like a, a cold, like you got to know yourself, know when to pull the plug. Um, so I think that's awesome, man. I think a lot of people really struggle with that. So um, kudos to you to know yourself yeah, well enough. Here, I'll say this. So my head was like race, 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 but my body was stop, please just yeah. stop. So, uh, you're again do you listen to your body or do you listen to your head because there was still like there was still like from my support network there was still like people saying me you should still continue racing but there was like half of them saying no stop so i mean it's just like you have to also like um weigh it out like you mean and it's just like i did a four hour ride on a monday and then the next day i was i was planning to do some sprints and 
I couldn't ride 170 watts. I was cooked. And then yeah. the four-hour ride was in January. I was doing 230, 240 watts for five hours. Like now I can barely ride at 180 watts for the same duration. So just like more and more indications, like, like so something is actually wrong. Uh, but like going back to that thing, like you mentioned, I think I know my body well enough because I was an athlete before. I used to play a sport called handball, which is really popular in Europe. So I've been oh, yeah, an athlete yeah. like... I've been an athlete since my early age, but I also did use a power meter until I was, until I was my first year under 23. Okay. Wow. So I, for the first, for the first four years, I just trained off heart rate and of, uh, basically perceived exertion. So I guess from that area, I know like how I, how I feel. And just like looking by looking at my heart rate, uh, I can like judge like how I'm, how I'm feeling because there's sometimes like, you know, you know, when you have a session set, and you already know how you feel that I'm, not, I'm just not going to get through it. Even if you try, like you just get that, like that proof uh, that it's done for the day. Like just turn yeah. around, go home or just like ride easy. So but, I guess know, I, I, no, sorry. What I want, what I wanted to say was on that same regard. Um, and just recently I've had some athletes with this. It's if you're, and I don't know how this is going to go over, but this is take this with a grain of salt. If you, if you are newer to cycling, and sometimes I have people be like, oh, I just didn't feel it today. I, I didn't even try to do the efforts, you know, or, and it's like, okay, like I understand that. But sometimes like there is a disconnect between how you actually feel and how your, how your brain, you know? So I think it's, 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 it's knowing yourself. It takes some time to get to a point where you can really trust yourself and be like, Hey, I need to pull the plug or like today is a bad day. Or maybe today's a good day. Maybe I need to add a few more intervals, go a little bit harder. Here. Here I have to, here you can use a few of my examples because I spoke to also my athletes about this and I received a text, hey, I slept bad. Like, can I pull the plug today? And I, guess, and I just told the athlete in questions and athlete hand, just like push through one effort. And then it ended up being like, just like a really good session, like across the board. So I was on vacation in 2019, I think, uh, on an island in Croatia with uh, one of our family friends who's an uh, elite, uh, who's a master's uh, mountain biker and cycle course. Uh, he's like basically my mentor who guided me how to lose weight and how to just basically eat on a bike. Without him, I would also be, be like, just like underfueled. Um, so we woke up super early because we needed to take a ferry across to, the, to shore. And I slept maybe five hours. I slept horrible that night. Uh, and I knew that climb was 90 minutes. It was a proper mountain pass, 90 minutes. But I ended up setting my all-time 90-minute record. All-time, we're speaking. I did, I think, 325 watts for 90 minutes. So, at, uh, and I felt horrible. My heart rate was through the roof. I just, like, turned my heart rate off because I knew my legs were feeling good. So here, here comes to the point. Sometimes, oh, my heart rate is high. It's 20 beats higher than it should be. Tone it down. If your legs feel good, if your body feels good, continue. But if your body like is trashed, pull the plug. Yep, for sure. I think you'll know as you, us as athletes, as you ride more and train more and get more into like what actual discomfort feels like, you'll know when things are off, you know? And that's yeah. not to say, again, that's why I was hesitant to say this. And not to say that like, I'm not saying push through anything. And you're, I know you're not saying that either, but it's getting to know your body and getting to know mm -hmm. like, and then also I know Brendan talks about this. What if you don't feel good on race day or event day? You know, um, sometimes you gotta. Yeah, but you can't change on a race day. You can't change anything. You can't change your training. I mean, sometimes uh, 
sometimes people like like do the, that panic training, especially like before stage races, like, oh, then I'm going to get that extra percent. You're just going to make things worse, to be fair, if, if you panic a few days before. But yeah. it's just like, in a nutshell, like if your body feels good and if your heart rate is like 10 beats higher or 20 beats higher, like heart rate is just like our response, like how your body is responding and just like power is like your um, inputs, let's call it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just like sometimes people get to like data obsessed and just like you need to learn, learn the sensations of your body. And it's just like the best, like if you look at history, the best riders in, on the planet just like rode to heart rate until like the early 2000s, basically. And even my old coach that I mentioned, who, uh, Vladimir, who was the DS, who was the, he's the DS in Bahrain. He won, he won the Chima Copy, which is basically a prize to the Giro d'Italia for uh, Chima Copy is, uh, is uh, the highest pass in, uh, in, in, a, in a stage. So they basically give a special award to the guy who will pass over, over the highest pass in the race first. So he won the Chima Copy a few times uh, uh, when he was at the, in Liquigas and Aquan Scapone. He didn't use the power meter until like the later, later part of his career, just training on heart rate. So, I mean, it's just like, yeah, I guess it's where there are useful and I rate them highly, but also a lot of times I tell my athletes, it's like, chill, like, don't just look at the numbers so, so much. Learn you also the sensations, sensations that, and messages that your body is sending. Because if you don't know how your body feels, like, how are you going to give feedback, feedback to your coach? I think what you're saying, and I agree with you 100%, is that you shouldn't trust just one metric. You should take all exactly. the metrics. Take a yeah. take a little bit. Everything. It's all important. Um, I I don't. This is an abrupt change of gears, but we've been chatting for almost an hour. I want to talk about coaching, man. I want to I want to talk <laughs> about your. I want to talk about your getting involved with Evoke. Um, I know you were coaching beforehand. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll leave it kind of open. Like what? Um, What's the deal with your coaching? <laughs> What's the deal with my coaching? Uh, so I wanted to get into it like uh, like a few years ago, basically. I was asking my, like, my coach at the time, Jake, Jane Collins, uh, how, do you, how did you get started? But he was studying sports science. He basically just told me, find a rider in your local area and start practicing. practicing. So when COVID hit, my teammate and one of my best friends, Arnold DeLeu, uh, we didn't know each other at that time really well, but we came in, came in contact, I think, through our team WhatsApp group. And I noticed like he was just like over racing constantly on Zwift. I think he was asking for a race partner on Zwift just because we were all over and we just kind of connected. And I got him onto a Zwift team because I was a part, I was a part of a Zwift team then. And uh, I was like, dude, you're like you're just like doing too much too soon. Like God knows when we're going to race. And basically I just like asked him like, why did you do this? And he said like, Oh, you told me to do this. And then basically the message came through like, I want, Oh, I want you to coach me. So I started coaching him. And basically in that summer, he went from off the back to off the front. And uh, that later on in the summer, I stayed with him at his place. Uh, I got a female athlete at the end of the summer also through Zwift and then it kind of, kind of starts snowballing and in the time I made a connection with a guy, a guy called Patrick Mahoney and Patrick Mahoney and Patrick Wally who's the co-owner of Evoke uh, 
they ran together a team on esports team called Evoke. And Pat Mahoney wanted a few European riders. So I was the connection between, in between the US and Europe. So I basically got a few riders together, basically a team, an international team formed. And in the time when it was formed, I noticed an article because there was always mentioning this guy called Brendan. I didn't know, who, I did, it's, I'm ashamed to say this, but I didn't know who Brendan is. <laughs> uh, and I finally looked him up and I started watching his YouTube videos and just like reading the blog. Uh, and uh, I saw, and I think he posted an ad on a website uh, that he's looking for an affiliate coach. And at, at that point, they, they hired Greg. Uh, Craig, sorry. Uh, and uh, I reached out to Wally, just like asking, hey, are you still hiring? Because I'm trying to get into this game. I'm, I'm coaching a few people. And like, like, he said, like, no, just keep practicing for now. We have, we have one day Craig was hired. So, and then Brandon, I think, reached out to me this spring because I got him a few podcast uh, ho- um, co-hosts. He reached out to me just like, hey, like we haven't introduced like properly to each other. Let's do a Zoom call. We started chatting and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, he got me on and the rest is history. That's awesome, dude. It's, it's funny yeah. you mentioned that. There was, a, I think, it was a Facebook post and an Instagram post, and I saw that exact. I, no, I, I think, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think I saw it on uh, the Evoke website, but I'm not sure. Okay, gotcha. I just like we're we're hiring a coach, and I reached out to Patrick, like, hey, are you still hiring? And I like I pitched him a few times in between, but it was, I mean, it's just like I wanted to get into it just because I still think. I mean, I even on Discord, I do seem to like. I do talk a lot and I'm just like, we'll get straight to the point, but I, my interests are good. And I just like want to help people from my experience because I think I build up, I think I like build up more experience, how not to do things than how to do them. So like the experience I, so people don't have to go through the, through the same things that I went in order to achieve a result, if it makes sense. So just like, yeah, I just like love helping. I just like love love sharing. I mean, and you know with you, like I gave you my code for WK5 basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, well, so dude, I mean, that's that's a, that's actually an excellent point. That is a that's a yeah. major point of I I guess I've never really thought of it like that. Like as coaches, yes, it's always telling people uh, or not telling. It's advising, giving recommendations on like how to do things and what would be best for a person. But it's also a big part of it is also of being like, Hey, these are my experiences. I've failed doing this, or I know people who have failed doing this. So this is why I think you shouldn't do this. Or this is why I don't recommend yeah. this. That's, that's huge, man. And that's, I wanted to highlight that for you is that you have this enormous well of knowledge from traveling to all these races, being in all these different experiences that you can share with everyone. And I think that's fantastic. And I know us as coaches, we use you as a prime resource for <laughs> like all, your, all all this experience. Um, so I wanted to highlight that for if anyone is interested in, you know, chatting with you. And then I wanted to ask you. Oh, happy to chat. Yeah. Do you, do you consider yourself to be, cause I, I wanted, I forgot to touch on this with stuff. I'm glad we brought that up. Um, do you consider like, if someone is interested in getting involved in training, like, do you think like being like a, a, like, obviously you have this road racing expertise, but if someone is interested in Zwift racing or getting on Zwift, should they reach out to you? Cause I mean, you have a lot of experience there as well, like being on that team. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, just get in contact through so- socials and just like love to help. I mean, it's, uh, I like to apply my life by the quote. I think it was from Michael Jordan. I just like, uh, or, 
I haven't failed. I just found 10,000 ways that don't work. There you go. <laughs> I love that, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, sure. Like for me, it's not a problem. It's like reach out to me uh, on socials on basically Instagram is the easiest way to reach me. Alex at evoke that bike. Or our email. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I tend to dislike email like a lot because I don't even check it that often, but Instagram is the easiest. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, yeah. if people start emailing you after this, you got to check those emails. Um, yeah, I have to turn the notifications on. Well, we'll you should link. I'll link your uh, your information yeah. in the in underneath sure. the, the video here and stuff. Um, sure. But dude, this this was awesome. We chatted for an hour. Um, was there anything else that you specifically wanted to kind of add or anything here? Uh, I mean, just to like all the riders, especially to younger ones. Like, if you have a desire, don't be scared in going after after it because. I like recent months. I had a 20, 20 year old Kiwi rooming with me called Hubert Bauer. Bauer. He, he came from Australia in the uh, sorry in New Zealand uh, in the midst of a pandemic to, to chase his dreams. So like, don't be scared of just like pursuing your desires, even even if you're older. Like, if you have a passion, go after it. Just like Hubert did, he packed his bags and came over. Uh, so yeah, just like don't be, don't be scared in chasing your dreams. And yeah, I mean it's. Uh, that's I think that's the biggest takeaway like people can take from uh, my experience and don't be scared of failure because like you're gonna learn something from it you know for sure dude and think about put, putting that in perspective this guy left New Zealand to go live yeah. in Belgium like yeah if you if your goal is to just you know finish a hundred mile ride or finish a race or whatever I'm saying like that's a much more that, that's a much like uh, I guess smaller um degree of difficulty there i'm saying other people that are out there really throwing themselves in it so um and then and then of course we're also happy to help and, and w- whether you're interested in coaching or you just want to bounce some ideas off of us you know any of the coaches um alex dude thank you for this this was great i really appreciate you <laughs> no, chatting with me. no worries i mean that's the problem that's the problem with me because we can talk for three hours straight i know dude, well, dude, that's <laughs> I, was, I was thinking man we should do a we should do a follow-up because i feel like there's so many things to talk about um but I just wanted to say, um, dude, you're, you're a very approachable guy. So if anybody has any questions or there, and dude, you're super active on the discord and if people aren't on the discord, they should get on there. Um, yeah. you're, you're crushing it on there with advice and recommendations and, and I got everything. So uh, if Thanks. I can say something just, just, just for the end. So the people I mentioned, uh, from like, just, I'll just say like, uh, a cheesy thank you to everyone. Like who helped me uh, just like from you guys to the people i mentioned uh, because i'm going to tag them also uh it means it means a lot that you can have like support like that especially like also from you guys if i need a chat i can turn to brandon i can turn to you patrick so i mean it's just like uh it's it means it means a lot to be like having extra support circle like this around me that always pushes me to get better so thank you guys dude thank you thanks for being a part of this i'm always love to help well, good luck. Enjoy your uh, your time off and um, enjoy your hiking and walking and time off the bike. And you'll be back on the bike in no time crushing it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I'll see you, dude. Have a great day.